Good morning. To greet you in Jesus' name this morning. Enjoyed the Sunday school hour, devotions, songs. It's one of those things when I'm preparing, I sometimes neglect to see what the Sunday school lesson's about. And sometimes it hits you like, well, I sure hope I didn't double up. So I looked at the Sunday school lesson, apologized this morning, and uh, I thought, good, not doubling up. But we are bouncing around all over it. I invite you to turn to John chapter 4, a very familiar account. I'm going to read verses 1 through 26, John chapter 4. And I'm going to give you a question. Are you thirsty? Begin reading at verse 1, chapter 4 of John. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples... He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must need, must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who is it that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saith thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship? Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. 
But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Give you a little background to this scripture. We had a very relaxing weekend last weekend going to the North Shore. And I was sitting there on the shore fascinated by all the water. I know that might seem a little trivial, but we left southeastern Minnesota with parts ground. Yards were brown, we were dry, we were in a drought. We were in somewhat of a moderate, almost severe drought. We had been 11 inches behind since June, so it was dry. And here I am sitting on the North Shore, and there's volumes and volumes of water. There's plenty of water there to go around. We just need to figure out how to get it from down, up there down here. And if that would become the case, that could probably be possible. But in the short stay that we were there, things changed. It rained. What was going to be the driest September on record for some parts of Minnesota ended up being some of the wettest rec uh, September's on record. Duluth ending up with over 10 inches, almost 13 inches of rain. There's still plenty of water. But what I was thinking, what, what if I would have been at Lake Superior and it was half full? I didn't, that, that, that didn't even cross my mind because it was full. It was lapping up on the shore there. I mean, you know, sometimes you can see levels change, but the volume of Lake Superior is astronomically large. I mean, you sit there on the shore and you look across and all you can see is water. And I, I saw how many miles of shoreline and how many square cubics, uh, I can't remember the term that they use, the volume of water, cubic mile maybe, that they use. It's, and then I thought, well, I'm going to translate that into tanker loads, so I got a, a mental picture. Well, the number was just terrible long. I mean, it didn't even make sense. It was just out of this world. So my mind went to the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Water. Being thirsty. The human body is more than half water. A baby's body is more than three-quarter water. This means that if you weigh 170 pounds, that 100% or 100 pounds of you is water. All the rest, 70 pounds, is everything else. That's, I'm taking somebody else's word for that. But I know water is a substantial part of our body. We need it. Water is very necessary for transporting um, the, the transport system of our body. 
It helps us in our digestion. It helps carry nutrients. It helps carry oxygen to every cell. Um, it carries the waste out as we uh, utilize the different uh, nutrients that we take in. Um, 20%. Um, so, if, okay. So if there's a 20% decrease, so if, if you would cut your water percent or if you would cut your water intake by 20%, um, you would go, okay, take that back, 2%, let me get this right, 2% decrease in water would be 2 pounds less of water, and that causes a 20% decrease in mental and physical performance. So luckily, our body gives us indicators or indications when we need water. There's signs of dehydration, um, dry mouth, dry skin, headache, dizzy, confused, maybe even fainting. It's one thing to be thirsty, but it's another thing to be dehydrated. I had a little bit of a scare. I don't know if I can use the word scare, but I had, it had me pondering. About a year ago, I donated blood. And the nurse was having some issues and, and, and trouble trying to get in my veins. I've never had trouble with this before. They always put the cuff on, and boom. Wow, we got options today. And there's like three good veins that they can pick from. And they're like, does it matter? No. Right or left? No. Go for it. She's struggling with right. She goes to left. She's like, did you drink coffee this morning? I said, yeah. Well, you're dehydrated. I'm feeling normal. So she orders two of those 20-ounce bottles of water. You have to drink them. So I sit there and I'm chugging water. She goes and she's like, I don't know. And I'm thinking, man, did my health deteriorate this fast? I mean, I'm feeling fine. Little did I know, didn't dawn on me, and little did she know that she was using the wrong cuff to pressurize my arm. So I was doing my squeezes, but the cuff wasn't doing anything. Once she did that, wow, you're good. <laughs> We need to stay hydrated. We need to drink. Thirst in your body is a way to draw you to water, to invite you to drink. Our hearts and our souls, too. Our God, our Creator, wired us with signs that can give us indication of that. Just like we have physical signs when we're dehydrated and need of water, need of something that's going to sustain life to us, those same signs and signals can be um, for spiritual can be exhibited by maybe anxiety, sleeplessness, worry, irritable, loneliness. 
spiritual dehydration can cause hopelessness, guilt, fear, dissatisfaction, a sense of longing for something that is more, dryness deep within, dehydration. And we can see that evident in our world around us. The increasing isolation and loneliness that people have today. When I was in Chicago, that weekend was a very warm weekend, and it's often somewhat of a custom for a group to stay hydrated. Not only that, but it does offer us to offer a cup of cold water to someone on the street in need of water. And it can be a springboard for discussion by having that there. I had a guy come up, boy, he didn't come up, he was sitting there, and I thought, well, I'm going to strike up a conversation with him. So, as I was there with him, I asked him, are you thirsty? Yeah. So I went back to our thermos and got two cups of water. I was more thirsty, I felt like I was more thirsty than, I don't know how thirsty he was, but it was more, I, I, I wanted a drink too. I was thirsty. So I thought, well, I'll see if he wants one. I said, sure. So I get two cups of water. I go back to him and, and I take a swallow and he's sitting there holding his cup. And I'm looking and he's not drinking. I'm like, well, something wrong. And he looks at me and he's like, how do I know that you didn't put poison in there? Duh. I didn't tell him that, but it's water. I mean, it was a cup like this. I mean, it's liquid. It's clear. I didn't do anything to it. You saw me get it from the water jug. But he's looking at that water with a whole different, a whole different viewpoint than I am. So in the meantime, he says, "Give me your cup." I'd already taken a swallow, and he. So I'm now left with his cup. He didn't touch it, so I thought, well, I'll take a swallow of this. He said, give me that cup. And he drank that one down. I had two cups of, cu- uh, two cups of water. I only got two swallows. <laughs> Whether that did anything to him or not, I don't know. I ended up talking to him for quite some time. I don't know if my chatting with him really got anywhere. He would refer to Jesus as being a rat. And that he wanted me to point out, did he ever sin? So I started walking him through the Ten Commandments. And he didn't seem to think that was very important. But at one point he did mention that he felt a spirit there. And so I asked him if I could pray with him. And he said, sure. So I I prayed with him. And then he wanted to pray with me after I was done praying with him. Okay, sure. I didn't know how this was going to go. What ended up, I felt like I had to cut him off because it was just a bunch of vain, babbling words. And how he was hoping I would be enlightened by um, the, the nature around me and that life is just what it is and I'll leave that story there and I'll come back to it later 
He did find water. But he is going to thirst again. Unless he finds a real source of that living water. In our story, in our account here, this, uh, what we read here this morning, Jesus felt thirsty. Jesus went to the well. Jesus had a physical body. He experienced thirst. But Jesus had other reasons for being there at that well today. That day, he had a woman too that needed water too. And he saw a thirsty soul. This woman had a thirst that came from brokenness in her personal relationship, from fears that brought her to the well that noon. Notice the timing of when she came to the well. It wasn't morning, it wasn't evening, it was, in the, it was at noon. Why was that? Was it so that there was less competition at the well? Was it just maybe that was the quietest part of the, the, of the day to go draw water from the well? Somewhat surmising. Or maybe she came with a question about where to worship God. Jesus sees the thirst within us. That's something that we can mark down. Jesus saw the thirst in this woman. Jesus can see the thirst within us. He knows our deepest longings. He knows our hearts. And he invites you, just as he did this woman, saying, if you knew the gift of God, we need to treat our soul as we treat us. Take a gulp, a swallow, a water. Let it flood into your heart. A good swallow, that satisfying water. Bible contains several invitations to those who are thirsty. 700 years before Jesus sat here on this well and drank in Isaiah 55. Verses 1 through 3. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the water. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy ye, and eat ye. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread, and ye labor for that which is satisfying not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and I let and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. God speaking of an invitation. Is anyone thirsty? Come to the water and drink. Even if you have no money, come. Why would you spend money for something that isn't going to sustain your thirst, your hunger? Why pay for food? It does no good. But listen to me. Eat what is good. Turning back a few chapters from where we read there in John.
um, Jesus is in the heart in the city of Jerusalem. He's in the courtyard, in the temple, in a, the Jewish worship. He's there for the annual Jewish celebration, the Festival of Tabernacles. This is the Festival of Tabernacles is when they do the remembrance of what God did for them when they had left Egypt and were in the wilderness wandering, were fed by manna, had to move tent to tent and, and pick up and move and uh, supplied water for them in the desert. But apparently, during one of these, um, I don't know, what do you want to call it, procedures or, or uh, uh, parts of the festivals, where the water would be poured out and the, the priest would pour water out on the, onto the, the sacrifice. And then on the seventh day, volumes of water would come in and, and they would pour it out. And uh, the idea of... It being an ever-ending, an ever-ending source, it's it's constant. I want to stop there and, and build a little context. In First Corinthians ten, verses one through four. We have a New Testament shedding light on the Old Testament. So this Feast of Tabernacles was reflecting for the Jewish people to remember what they did in the wilderness. And Moses leading them, giving them manna and water. Now, as you think of that, uh, keep that in mind as we read these these four verses here in 1 Corinthians 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Moses instructed, God instructed Moses to strike the rock in Exodus 17. And God, man, Moses went through with that. And he struck the rock. And that was to establish that picture of Christ being broken. That everlasting water that's going to flow out to you and me today. Moses struck the rock, indicating that Jesus is broken, had to die for our sins. But then again, we have the second encounter in Numbers 20, where the the Lord instructed Moses to speak to the rock. And we all know what happened there. Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And that's where God had to 
discipline or or part ways with Moses because Moses had disobeyed God's plan. And we would be left confused if God hadn't done that because that would mean that Jesus had to be broken more than once. Jesus only needed to be broken one time. And that's why I believe God did not allow Moses to go into the promised land. He had to rebuke Moses and to bar him from that promise of entering into that promised land. By barring Moses from the promised land, the Lord is illustrating that we cannot enter into salvation by the works of the law, quote Moses, but only by the works of Jesus. So picking up where I left off, there in John, so I, I said turn back a few chapters, John 7, 37, 39, this Feast of, of Tabernacles, John 7, 37 and 39. In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which that they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. There's the illustration of flowing bellies, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then John has to put his illustration or, or what he means by that in verse 39. And that is the Holy Spirit that we have. The Holy Spirit was the gift that God, of God, that Jesus was going to pour out to his disciples and to you and me once his work was finished it's that spirit that can bring the quench that we that we uh, desire in our soul when we are thirsty so Jesus was in the heart of this where the Pharisees were religion was at its can I say best Yet he was teaching them that there was more to this than than all your what you're trying to do. So having religion and believing God is not a once and for all. It's not a cure all for the thirstiness. Just like if I would go stand in the middle of Lake Superior and I'm thirsty, does that do anything for me? No. I can have all the water around me, but if I don't drink of that water. It's not doing me any good. Instead, thirst invites, it draws us into that ever-flowing running water 
of God's love and care, providing the nutrients that we need for our soul and the satisfaction that we can get as we take that in and addresses our deepest needs. So being thirsty is a good thing. It helps us search for the source of water. You want a healthy spiritual soul? You're going to need to supply it with water. And it's going to need to help you get through your day. Just like physical water helps you get through your day. As we tap into that source, the real water, we, in return, will become a source of water that's going to flow out of us. We become a channel. And I could, the illustration I thought of is, it's not a custom here at all, but in the farming world where irrigation is, is necessary, um, they do flood irrigation and they usually have a channel of water running beside the field and to get water from that channel into the field they have to put siphon tubes. Are we like a siphon tube that we tap into Jesus and we let it flow through us and run down that channel to however far that channel goes and waters and brings life to those that are searching and seeking? Turning back to Isaiah 55, we were there before. I want to look at verses 4 and 5. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and a nation that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Speaking of that channel, God's purpose of, of having his chosen people, the children of Israel, was so that nations around them would see the working of God and would be, as Isaiah said here, they would come running because they saw the work of God. Do people see the work of God in my life, in your life? Do they come running because they are thirsty? Turning back to Isaiah 58. Verses 9 and 11. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer, and thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here am I, if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth the finger, and putting and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones 
and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. I love the picture, the mental picture that we have. God continuing to speak. You know, quit blaming. Stop pointing fingers. Quit spreading malice talk. If you would share your food with the hungry, you would satisfy the needs of those that are down and out, you're going to become like a well, a water that's going to spring forth. Put your focus off of you, but on others. I love the response back to our story of the Samaritan woman. You know, she obviously tapped into that source because we didn't read it, but later on there in the chapter, it talks about her in verse 28. She left her water pots. She came to the well to get water, but then she met Jesus and she, her, 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 uh, her spiritual thirst was met and she didn't need the physical anymore. She left her water pots and it says that the woman left her water pots and went her way into the city and said unto the men, come and see this man which thou, which told me all things that ever I did and not this, is not this the Christ? She generously left her water jugs behind. And her life was bubbling. And she rushes back into the city, invites the community, her city, to come out and meet this man. And I found it interesting that, uh, I'm, I know I read this many a time, and it didn't, it didn't hit me till this morning, but you know, I, I think of this story as Jesus leaving point A and going to point C, and B being in the middle where he met the Samaritan woman, as being a short little, just a hop, jump, and, and they were on their way. It talks about it being two days that they tarried there. And many believed. As we leave this story... final pages of our Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17, and the Spirit and the Bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. This water is a free gift. And it brings life. Will you allow that water to quench your thirst?
How will it flow through you, me, to the people around us that are parched and that are dehydrated and longing for satisfaction? If we are spiritually thirsty, we are not finding the source, and it is, and it is our own fault. The resource is there, the spring, the life, the sustenance of, of life that Jesus offered, it's there. We just need to accept it. Going back to my story, the man in Chicago, he at one point told me he did not believe in a heaven or a hell. I asked him, I said, so if you would die tonight, where would you go? He didn't seem to know. Doesn't matter. He said, I'm a mistake. I shouldn't be here anyway. So I shared with him how I walked beside my wife fighting cancer. And how I helped her to the shores of death. And I had to let her go. God, she's yours. Take her. And I said, I know she's in heaven. Never to thirst again. He seemed lost for words. He wanted to sidetrack the discussion and talk about the different types of cancer. I could have come away from that conversation discouraged. But I had to remember that it's only those little seeds of nuggets of truth that I dropped in different places that God can only take it from there. A challenge is to us, are we going to be the source of that living water to those around us that are seeking. Davey mentioned in, in Sunday school about Chicago and how many converts we have. You know, if, if only one convert comes to Christ in however many years we've been going, wouldn't it be worth it? Absolutely. And we may not know the full impact of, of our work, even on a day-to-day basis as we live our life. But we need to be faithful in being that channel of living water. Will you be that siphon tube, that illustration of flooding out and those that need it can tap into it then? It'll have a far-reaching effect. Shall we kneel for prayer? Lord, I come to you this morning. I thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the illustration, the story that we have of you having that interaction with the woman in Samaria. The illustrations that we can learn, Lord, that you are the source of life, that water that can bring life and that can quench our thirst and that we can be satisfied. Lord, I just pray that as we live our lives that we would continue to keep you in our focus, that we would live our lives that are in a way that others would see you and that would want that 
water and would want to receive that water that will quench their thirst. Lord, I just pray for each one here this morning, each need, each heart, from the youngest to the oldest. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be faithful in your calling, wherever you've called us to, Lord, in the different uh, requirements that you have for each one of us, Lord. Help us to be faithful. Lord, I just pray that you'd be with those that are not here too, Lord. Be with them wherever they're at. Suit a blessing to their needs. Those that are serving on the mission fields, Lord, just bless them for their uh, willingness to be served or to serve for you, Lord. And uh, I just pray that you would be with us as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen.